Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. They shall hear and fear, and they shall not commit again such evil among you. Verse 21, your eyes shall not pity, life shall be for life, and eye for eye, and tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. And this whole eye for eye and tooth for tooth thing is, is called lex talionis in, in, in our Western culture. It's, it's Latin, and basically what it means is the law of retaliation. Lex talionis, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And it's commonly misrepresented as being vindictive, but it is not, because the law is not a license for cruelty, but actually a limit to it. It restrains sin, but when that is removed, there's no deterrent for sin. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 19 of the book of Deuteronomy by explaining God's view of what our reaction to sin should be. In this chapter, we have learned of God's instruction of the cities of refuge for the individuals that become involved in deaths of others, whether being accidental or intentional. God's instructions are clear when it comes to punishment for sin. He establishes an eye-for-an-eye rule not to be a license for revenge, but for a deterrent to future sin. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. Verse 14, because now the topic changes, and I'm really glad because I don't like talking about this either. But he says, You shall not remove your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set. In your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. The landmark in Israel, you go over there today and you can actually see the landmarks as you, as you travel from different places and you look out in the fields and, and a lot of times there'll be these uh, rocks that are just laid up and, and they, they define the boundaries of where these shepherds, their land. And those landmarks are not to be removed, not to be uh, messed with. In fact, in Deuteronomy 27, uh, the chapter 27 and 28 are basically contain the blessings uh, for obedience and the curses for disobedience. But one of the curses is, it says in Deuteronomy 27, verse 17, it says, Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say amen. And so moving the landmark was a really big deal. In Proverbs, even, in verse, or chapter 22, it says, Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. These are sacred things. And God, and, and at least for the Jews, he allowed them to make sure that these land, that all this land was clearly identified. And, 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 and the Jews would have this land for hundreds of years, hundreds of years, over a thousand years, and even beyond, because they would make sure that all the land belong to them, and it wouldn't go outside of the tribe. 
That's what the year of Jubilee was all about. If I sold my land to somebody, they could borrow it, basically. They're basically buying it, but it's only for a time. They get the fruit of the land, but at the end of the year of Jubilee, at the end of that 49th year and going into the 50th year, all the land that I purchased from so-and-so, i got to give back to him because that goes to his family. But I, I was able to reap the benefits, the fruit of that land, and that was mine, but now i got to give the land back. And so God even had a, a plan for that, too. Verse 15, it says, One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. And, and notice that in the matter, it has to be two or three witnesses. It can't just be on one witness. And even in our own justice system, again, when something really big happens, like, like a murder or something like that, it goes, usually goes to a, a jury trial. And there's a judge, and then there's a jury panel. And they go and they, they, they pick jurors. They try to get the most, uh, they, they try to get very, a, very a, a great variety of different people from different backgrounds, different races. They try to give an accurate representation of the community to judge what has happened. And you think about it, that's a safeguard, folks, because if you really didn't like me, and you could go to the judge and say, I saw him with my, with my own eyes, I saw him you know, hurt this person, he killed him by, uh, on purpose. And uh, if the judge said, uh, well, you know what, you're a good guy, and I, I really believe that you haven't told a lie, and therefore we're going to put him to death, right? God says, uh, not so fast. has to be by two or three witnesses, two or three witnesses, and there is the safeguard, and we have that in our own justice system. That's one of the good things about our justice system. But notice verse 16, it says, If a false witness rise among any man to testify against him of wrongdoing, then both men in the, in the controversy st- shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who serve in those days. Verse 18, And the judges shall make careful inquiry, and indeed, if the witness is a false witness who has testified falsely against his brother, notice what happens. Then you shall do to him as he thought to have done to his brother. So shall you put away the evil from among you. See how serious that is? God is very concerned about justice and it being meted out correctly. And, and, and rightly, and rightly. You know, if you remember, before Jesus was crucified, he stood before the Sanhedrin, this 70-member group that made up of Pharisees and Sadducees, and they were the, really the rulers of, of the Jewish uh, system, in a sense. And it says in Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 55, it says, Now the chief priests and all the council, they sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. And then some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But not even there did their testimony agree. And yet, if they were, if they, if they were able to have Jesus put to death on this false testimony, which they ultimately did. You know, he stood before the Sanhedrin, and the false witnesses against him didn't agree, and yet they would condemn him to death, and the men who gave the false witnesses didn't receive the punishment that their own law required. Even after they put him to death, it was, it was a false witness, and yet they went ahead and did it anyway. And that's why when soldiers would, would watch a tomb, 
they had to, if they were ordered by the governor to watch a tomb to make sure that nobody got out, you recall what happened on the resurrection day. An angel came down and rolled away that stone, and all those soldiers were there, and they were quaking in their boots. And Jesus was already gone. He passed through the rock. The, the rock didn't need to be taken away so that Jesus could come out. No, the rock was rolled away so that man could peer inside and see the tomb is empty. And even Peter and John, looking inside the tomb that, that Sunday morning, John looked over and he saw the wraps that Jesus was wrapped up in. They just collapsed in on themselves because Jesus literally, when he was resurrected, his old body dissolved and his new body was instantly passing through the, those wraps and the thing just collapsed in on itself. That's what the language means. It literally is like blowing it up with air and all of a sudden you take the air out and the whole thing just collapses. And yet the napkin that wrapped around his head was folded like, and the napkin like folded in and put in a separate place by itself. And yet those, those men, because they failed to guard the tomb, each one of them deserved the death penalty, and that's why when they went to the religious leaders, the religious leaders say, we'll give you some money. Don't, we, we heard what you said, that the angel came down and all this happened, but don't say anything about that. You say that the body was taken by his disciples, and just to make you happy, make it better, we'll give you some money too, and we'll, we'll, we'll set you free from the governor. We'll make sure that nothing happens to you. And they took the money but they didn't receive the punishment, you know. And praise the Lord, you know, God doesn't like, he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. He doesn't delight in seeing somebody put to death. He'd much rather the person live. Isn't that what God's heart is? He says, choose life. That's why the whole abortion thing is such an important thing. And that's why we have, when we go vote, we have to vote on those kinds of issues. Because as a Christian, we know what that issue is all about. And regardless of who we agree with, we have to vote on the issues because that's all we have. You vote on the issues. If the, whether it's Democrat, whether it's Republican, whoever it is, if they're for abortion, you need to stay away from them as a Christian. But if they are against it and they're against other things that we know to be true in the Bible, you have to vote according to your worldview, which is not just your worldview it is God's worldview. It's his command. Choose life. Choose life. So, verse 20, And those who remain shall hear and fear. Notice, after that, they shall hear and fear, and they shall not commit again such evil among you. Verse 21, Your eye shall not pity. Life shall be for life, and eye for eye, and tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. And this whole eye for eye and tooth for tooth thing is is called lex talionis in, in, in our Western culture. It's, it's Latin, and basically what it means is the law of retaliation. Lex talionis, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And it's commonly misrepresented as being vindictive, but it is not. Because the law is not a license for cruelty, but actually a limit to it. It restrains sin, but when that is removed, there's no deterrent for sin. Isn't it true if you told your son or your daughter that it's okay to drink and okay to smoke and okay to have this iPhone device and have it completely 
um, wide open as far as the Internet's concerned. Would you dare give a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old an unlocked iPhone that has access to everything, has a Twitter account, it has a Facebook account, an Instagram account? Everything is available to them, and there's parents who do, and shame on them. It'd be like giving a 12-year-old an, an iPhone completely wide open and then saying, you know what, it's okay to drink. You know, I drank when I was young, and, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> it's okay for you to smoke marijuana. It's okay. The government's going to tax it, and they're going to build new roads. They're going to build new schools. With the money, they're going to say, oh, that sounds so wonderful. And God is looking at it and going, what hypocrisy? What sin? What horrible thing have you done? <laughs> you know, can you hear God speaking to Adam? Adam, where are you? What have you done? I can hear God saying that now to America. What have you done? What have you done? We are not going to have time to go into chapter 20. I know that shocks you. I had every intention of going into it because it's a really interesting chapter. Um, you know, uh, yeah, we'll save it. But, you know, be, be encouraged. You know, as, as we look at this, it's just God's provision. God has a provision for his people. And I love the fact, you know, I, I almost, do you, do you sense that as you read what we've read tonight and as you think about it, what a wonderful community it must have been like to be among the children of Israel, having God as the, their, 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 prime, their, their only source of morality. I mean, he gave them everything, and it came from him through Moses, and, and, and they had it, and, and they lived, uh, they tried their best and lived according to it as much as they could. But can you imagine how orderly things were for them? I mean, things did get out of order, don't get me wrong, and they, they made mistakes, they, they sinned. But for the most part, you, you think of, of the order that that created. And, and that's what laws and things like this are designed to do, is to bring order, to restrain this sinful flesh from expressing itself in every manner that it likes to. I mean, if it wasn't for the, the laws, I mean, think of what our culture would be. I mean, every one of us would have to have a firearm and walk around with it just to protect ourselves. If it wasn't for the laws and the things... Because people be so angry at one another. And it's even happening now. There's mothers now that are getting their gun permit and putting... I'm not, I'm not saying that this is right or anything like that, but they, they're fear. They, 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 they're fear. They have fear. Because they don't even feel like they can go to work and, and come out into the... You know, go out from their work and go into their... Uh, you know... Uh, What's the parking garage, you know? They, they, they can't even walk out at night into a parking garage without being accosted by somebody. We live in a wicked world. And thank God that Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. You and I, he set us free. We can run, now run to him for refuge. We no longer have to worry. Didn't Jesus say, he says, Fear not the man or fear not the one who can put the body to death, but rather fear the one who has not only the the potential to put the body to death, but also has the ability to cast the soul into hell. One is physical and temporary, and the other one is spiritual and lasts forever for eternity. He says, fear him rather. And you know what? I fear God. I fear him because I love him. I fear him in awe of who he is. I mean, a couple Sundays ago, it might have even been last Sunday, we were talking about just how magnificent and wonderful God really is. That if he was to 
appear before us, God the Father, if he was able to manifest himself in this room, we would all be so blown away, literally, by his magnificence, by his purity. The Bible says that he dwells in unapproachable light. That means that these bodies, we can't even stand in his presence. We have to have new bodies so that we can withstand being in the presence of an almighty, holy God. I mean, that to me just really excites me, to think that there's this being who is so holy that it's just, I would, I would be incinerated in his presence because of his, his great holiness, his great love would be so intense, I couldn't stand it. Molecules in my body would just melt. I just think that is cool. <laughs> Do you think that's cool? I love that thought because it brings a reverence, a holy reverence to me. And I also fear him because of his great power. I love him for who he is and what he's done. And as a result of, cross, of Jesus' death on the cross, you and I are no longer enemies. But there are people, and that's why we share the gospel. That's why we tell them the truth. That's why we warn them of things to come, because they are going to face an eternity separated from God if they don't turn from their sin. That's why we tell them, because there's another fear of God. And that's a holy fear. That's a fear that you wish you'd never been born. Can you imagine standing before all this holy God at the white throne judgment that shares with us in Revelation 20 what that's all about and, and to stand before him and to have him open up a book, the book of life. He opens it up. And there are other books, says, deeds that you've done. And God is able, through his power, to have everyone there and be able to communicate them at one setting if he so chose. And they would each of them know exactly why it is that they're there and where they're going. And their names, he, would, he, would, he wouldn't even have to thumb through the pages. It would take too long. He just says, your name's not written in the book of life. And here are your charges. And he could just make them instantly aware. Every single person... Every single soul that has sinned against him, innumerable myriads before him, millions of people, in one instant he could communicate that to all of them. And now, depart from me, I never knew you, into the lake of fire, where the devil and the false prophet are. Can you imagine? I am so glad that I'm not going to see that. And I'm so glad, hopefully all of us here in this room will never see that day. And see, that's what Paul says when he says, the love of God constrains me. It constrains me. It has a grip on my heart where I must share. Woe is me if I don't share the gospel. I've got to share the truth with people. And who cares what they think about you? Because if you're, if you're a child of God, one thing you have to be willing to do is to say, Lord, I'm willing to be a fool for you. I'm willing to be a fool. I'm willing to be a fool for him. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. If they're mad at me because I've done something wrong and I've hurt their feelings by accident, I care about that. But if, they, if I share them the truth and they hate my guts because I told them the truth, that's okay. I can take that. And I don't mind if they say, you're just a freak. You're just a Jesus freak. All you talk about is the Bible. All you talk about is this wonderful God who saved you on the cross and, and this life that you're now living, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, Mr. Holier-Than-Thou, you pre-trib, uh, pre-millennial, uh, fundamental, uh, you know, wacko, whatever you want to call me. That's okay. I'm all of those. 
Don't be, don't be ashamed of the gospel, and don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of what he's doing in your life. He's setting you apart, and the very fact, the very idea of sanctification is setting you apart from this wicked world. Jesus says, come out from amongst them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And believe me, we are surrounded by unclean things. And God is saying, I want to draw out from this world a bride for myself. I'm going to bring her out to myself. And even though you don't feel worthy, because none of us feel worthy, the fact that we're here tonight is a really good sign because we love Jesus with all of our hearts, right? And we want more of him. We want him to have more of us. I want more of him controlling every area of my life. I don't want to play games anymore. Don't you want that? And let him have control over you. It's such a wonderful, sweet thing. It's a wonderful, sweet thing when you finally give control over. When you take the keys. What's that one show back in the 70s? I think it was called Three's Company. Remember Schneider? You guys remember him? He always wore a T-shirt and had the cigarettes rolled up in his thing, and he had this great big old keychain hanging on his side. Do you remember that? Huge chain. Take the keys of every area of your life and lay them at the throne of God at the, at the altar and say, Lord, every area of my life that I've locked up because of my embarrassment, because of I'm ashamed, Lord, I give you keys to them now, and would you take and open up every single door as you see fit in your own time, and Lord, I give everything to you. There is nothing greater that he wants than to see that. He could care less about the sacrifices, the blood sacrifices, a contrite and a, a, a heart that's broken, he will no wise cast away. But that's what he desires to reach us. So let's commit ourselves tonight again. For those of you who know him, and for those who maybe are on the fence and maybe don't know, are just coming to know, know that God loves you with all of his heart. He loves you this much. <laughs> He spread out his hands on the cross. and He doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all to come to repentance. The word that the world hates, it just means turn. Turn away from whatever thing that you're doing that you know is wrong. If you're addicted to alcohol, turn away from it. If you're addicted to drugs, turn away from it. If you're addicted to pornography, turn away from it. If you're addicted to gambling, turn away from it. If you're addicted to anger and self-centeredness and frustration, if you're addicted to fornication, if you're addicted to homosexuality, turn away from it. It is not a disease. It is just plain old simple sin. It's not a disease. It is sin. But know that a loving God loves you. And as we, as we read this, just how much he cares. And so let's stand together and, and be encouraged. Father, we do thank you for tonight, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord, how it just... Lord, your word says that to, to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it come forth the issues of life. And God, every one of us in this room are old enough. Uh, many of us are, are old enough to to understand what this means more than ever before, Lord. The issues of life, keep our heart with all diligence, for from it come forth the issues of life. God, help us to, to read your word, to love it more than anything else. And Lord, may, more importantly than reading it, God, help us to be doers of it, to be willing to do it. Lord, give us the grace, the strength, would you please? And love us so much that we would just be so willing 
to hand over all the keys, say, Lord, they all belong to you. Take them, unlock the doors, shine your light inside each room and clean house, Jesus. By your spirit, would you do this in all of us tonight and all throughout this week? We ask it in Jesus' name. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.